Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Today we'll be talking about the miraculous birth of Jesus. As last week you heard from Pastor Lerico talking about the miraculous birth of John preceding the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we talk about the miraculous birth of Jesus, I want to start with this. We live in a world where facts and fiction get blurred. That's News 24. Just free advertisement for News 24. They'll pay later. We live in a world where facts and fiction get blurred, meaning that sometimes we don't know what we're hearing, whether it's true, it's a myth, or it's fiction. And... uh, On the same breath, I want to start the sermon with this question. I know that the first question might be a trick question. Is Santa Claus a fact or a fiction? I know it's a family service and some parents are starting to panic. Please don't blow the bubble. Don't blow the bubble. Okay, I'll leave that to the parents to answer it when you get home. (laughs) I'll just leave it to you, parents. Let's go to a more realistic question. Is uh, St. Nicholas fact or fiction? It got very quiet. (laughs) Is St. Nicholas fact or fiction? Okay, after this, you can go and Google St. Nicholas. It will be very, very helpful for you to know. I know that there's a number of Christmas traditions out there. One of them is a sock that we put our letter to center. All right? So I want to actually explain some of these Christmas traditions. I won't be able to go through them all, but I thought I should explain this one. So St. Nicholas was a second century monk who actually lived. So he's fact. He was alive. And um, sad to say that even though he came from a very rich family, his parents passed away to a plague, and he was left with such a great inheritance. And he had a choice to squander his inheritance, spending it all over the shore, but he actually chose to help the poor with his inheritance. So St. Nicholas is known for his generosity, how he gave to the poor. But the one story that really caught my attention, I want to share with you this morning, is that there was a family in those days, if you remember in history, when a woman is about to get married, the parents of the lady would have to pay dowry and also make sure that they cover all the cost of the wedding. I noticed that in today's culture, the dowry has been put aside, but the parents of the bride still has to pay for the cost of the wedding. I know that as Christians, we do change some of these cultures. For as long as it is in line with the Word of God, we'll do. If it's not in line with the Word of God, we will chuck away. So going back to this family, it was a poor family. The parents were not able to pay dowry for their girls, and they were in the process of selling them into slavery just because they could not pay dowry for them. And uh, St. Nicholas got wind of this and he heard that they were about to sell their daughters and uh, St. Nicholas 
decided to go in the middle of the night to drop gold coins or gold to this family in the middle of the night. And because it was a poor family, they had socks hanging on the fireplace to dry them up. So it could be two reasons that they were hanging there in the fireplace. It could be because they were poor. Their socks probably had holes. I know none of you can identify with that. Or it could be because maybe it was snowy, so they couldn't hang them outside, so they were hanging them on the fireplace. And uh, the story goes that as St. Nicholas was dropping these gold coins, they actually went into one of the socks. And that is why we have this tradition today where people put their letters to the sock with the hope that in the morning they will find gold coins. Okay, I want three kids to come up here and get themselves some gold coins. There you go, there you go. That's what I like about family services. Someone's going to get some gold coins. You are rich from today on. The favor of the Lord is upon you. The favor of the Lord is upon you. Look, a miracle is about to happen. The gold coins are going to multiply. They are multiplying. (laughs) One more, one more. Okay, there's only one left. There's only one left. Actually, there's more. Okay, okay. (laughs) Amen. Now, there is a connection to St. Nicholas, to Santa Claus, that people don't know about. It was the Dutch who actually started calling uh, this amazing, amazing uh, monk who was later called the Wonder Man because of miracles that he saw in his life and how he interceded for people and people got healed. They started calling him Sinterklaas. So if you go and search for Sinterklaas, you realize it was the Dutch who came with the concept of Santa Claus when they went to America. So as children of God, we believe that God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He is not fiction. He is not a myth. He is real. It was something that Pastor Chigi said with us this morning. He said that, you know, when God wanted to fix the world, He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. He did not just send one of the angels going sort out the world, but He took out of Himself His own Son to come and fix the world, to come and heal the world. So our text today is going to be in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to ask Michael and Mupi to come and read for us this morning. Let's welcome them as they read the text for us. Rory, you also come. Thank you. You go first. We're going to read it in different translations. You go ahead. So I'm reading Jesus' birth foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, sorry, she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him his name, Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen. Amen. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And behold, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to the word, according to the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. So friends, as we read this text, there's so much that we can unpack out of this text. I thought of focusing on the miracles that happened around the birth of Jesus. From where we started with this text, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, let's just take a backdrop here. From last week, we heard, just for those who may not have been here, that when Zechariah and Elizabeth were in their old age, the angel Gabriel showed up and said, you're going to have a child. You can see clearly that in that season, Angel Gabriel was very busy. He was visiting around. And uh, for some people, Angel Gabriel came in the night in their dreams. For some, he came in person. I like what uh, Pastor Lereko said last week, that we all want to have encounters with angels. But did you realize that every time the angels showed up, the first thing they say is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And some of us may have even encountered angels unawares that the Bible says that we have seen angels, but we didn't even realize that they were angels. So as we read this text, I realized that when the message came to Zechariah and Elizabeth, it was a setup for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we have read, we are told that Zechariah did not believe that what the Lord was saying would happen. And because he did not believe, he was put on a mute button, like the Zoom mute button. I'm sure we are now very familiar with the Zoom mute button. He was not able to speak for a couple of months until the child John was born. Now we pick up the story here. The Bible says that in the six months when Elizabeth was pregnant, she was already in her second trimester, the angel Gabriel came to Galilee named Nazareth. Now, the significance to the mentioning of the names, because when I ask you the question of where you come from, I can tell a lot about you. Is that true or not true? When I ask the question about where you come from, it is significant because your origins, where you were born, is significant to God. God made you to be born in that place for a reason. I don't know, for some of us, we may find ourselves a little bit like Jesus, who people may look down on the places that we come from. It was Nathaniel who asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
let's explain this because we've read in Matthew about Bethlehem, right? That Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So in Bethlehem, it was a city or a town where Joseph came from. It was his city of David where his origins were from. So now they needed to leave Nazareth where they were working to go because of the census. They were called by an emperor, Caesar Augustus, that they need to go back and register themselves for the census in their original home. Now, they had to travel 145 kilometers from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. Now, you ask, just making the calculation, if they were traveling 145 kilometers, there was no cars, there were no cars, there was no Uber ride, there were no taxis, there were no buses. Mary, in her third trimester, she traveled on a donkey, pregnant. And we complain coming to church five kilometers, 10 kilometers, 20 kilometers, when Mary could travel 145 kilometers carrying baby Jesus. All that was a setup for the miracle that God was about to perform. It was important for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem because when we read it later, we realize that it was important to confirm what was read and written in the Old Testament, the prophecies that were spoken. Mary knew that I'm part of a miracle. I'm part of a big purpose. That's why I need to travel 145 kilometers to be here in Bethlehem. Let me pause a little bit before I continue with the story about why where we are born is important. You know, this week uh, we've been playing games with my family from time to time. We play games and normally when we play games, uh, some of us intercede. We pray in the spirit because there are some very competitive members of the family. Very competitive. We shall not mention names. Some of them were on the stage. And we don't know where they got it from. So I had to ask permission to share the story. One of the family members, by the name of Zinzi, yesterday we were playing 30 seconds, and the question comes, where was Jesus born? And she said, Jerusalem. And man, I got pale. Black people can get pale in the face as well. I got pale in my face, and this is a pastor's child. She's saying Jesus was born in Jerusalem. In a split of a second, she corrected herself and she said, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Just because of the facial look on my face. <laughs> like, you don't go. You... I must say, I was relieved you didn't say Bloemfontein. <laughs> Why Bloemfontein, you may ask. Some people said, since Bethlehem is in the free state, maybe Jesus was born in Bloemfontein. Uh, we have since sorted out our issues as a family since that 30 seconds game. But knowing where we come from is important. For some people, you don't even want to mention where you come from because of the baggage and the memories that come with that place. So Jesus, it is mentioned the province, the city, even the town. The city was Nazareth. The town was Bethlehem. It is mentioned where Jesus came from. 
It is mentioned the importance of where he comes from. Even though some people may look down on him for where he comes from, I believe God wanted to make a point that it is not about where you are born. It is about the purpose of God over your life. The place where you are born might be some of the history that God wants to portray, his miracles, his goodness. But the important thing is the purpose of God over your life. I have been in many Uber, Uber rides where I see people struggling to say where they come from because they think, how am I going to be treated after I say where I come from? We need to change that narrative. Normally when people tell, them, tell me where they come from, I will take the moment to celebrate where they come from. I tell them the great things that I know about their place. And I'm sharing this with you because I know that some people actually would prefer not to even tell people where they come from. You know, when I tell people I come from Pochestrum, the birthplace of apartheid, the first thing they ask me is, how did you survive? But you know what? God turned my pain into my purpose. That's why I have a ministry of reconciliation today. Because I had to go back right there in Pochestrum, where I used to work as a gardener, and now come to preach the gospel. The church is in the same suburb where I used to work as a gardener. It's not by mistake that God wanted me to be born in Porch's room. So for some of you, you might be carrying pain about the place of your birth. But I want to tell you today that God can turn your pain into your purpose. God will turn your pain into your purpose, even when they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus came out of Nazareth. Jesus came out of Bethlehem. As we continue, we read about how everything around Jesus was miraculous. If you can go to the next slide, please. Everything about Jesus was miraculous. The angel visit, virginal birth, and Elizabeth's pregnancy. I want to talk a little bit about those. Verse 27. Angel Gabriel was sent to a virgin, betrothed, meaning legally engaged to be married to Joseph. To a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the repetition is important. And the virgin's name was Mary. Betrothal is a legally binding engagement. An angel appeared to say that you will give birth to a child. And scientists have been arguing for centuries about how could you have a virginal birth. Now, scientists don't understand these words that I'm going to help you to go and help them. Supernatural. Can you go and help them that supernatural means it's above human understanding. It is supernatural. Even though the English doesn't work, it's because it's supernatural. The virgin birth is supernatural. So let me explain it to you. The scientists have been arguing that how could Jesus have Y chromosome? And you're like, Y chromosome? Okay, the Y chromosome will normally determine the gender of the child. If it's Y chromosome, it'll be a male. If it's X chromosome, it'll be a female. We both have X and Y chromosomes, but if you have Y from the origin, then they know that's going to be a male. So scientists are arguing and saying, well, how do we know Jesus had the Y chromosome? How can he become male? 
all I'm saying is scientists are just discovering what God created in Genesis 1. It is Genesis 1. It is creation reenacted. Why I'm saying is creation reenacted? The same way that God took Eve out of Adam, God created the X and the Y chromosomes. That is why we say it was a miraculous birth. So the angel visit, the virginal birth, and Elizabeth's pregnancy, we're going to unpack this. The answer is God is a God of creation. I like what um, Adrian Rogers says. He says, Jesus did not have his beginning in Bethlehem. One of my favorite verses of Scripture, John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. If people ever question whether Jesus was God, it's right here. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was the one who spoke the world into existence. And then God translated deity into humanity by taking of Himself. That little baby in a manger is the great God who created the universe. That little baby of Luke 2 is the great God of Genesis 1. God became flesh. God became flesh. So I want you to understand that we are so important to God that when the time came for God to rescue the world from sin and error pining, He just did not send an angel. He sent Himself. He came out of Himself and He said, I'm going to go and die for my people. The only person ever to be born to die for others is Jesus Christ. The only person ever to be born to die for others is Jesus Christ. If you have difficulty in believing the virgin birth, you'll have difficulty in believing in God and His miracles. Let's start there. Are you believing that God worked out this miracle, that Mary was positioned in such a way that the miracle of God can be seen through her life? I want to get to the gist of the sermon today. Verse 28. Now, this is a conversation between the angel and Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You have found favor. Repetition is for emphasis in Scripture. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Now, a lot of people ask the question, why Mary? It could have been someone else. And I want to put it to you this way, that because God knew Mary's life, because God observed how Mary lived, God knew that the posture of Mary's heart was a posture of obedience. What is the posture of your heart towards God? God knew that Mary, when the angel shows up, Mary will not be concerned about what will people say. Mary will not be overly obsessed with what people say versus what is God's will and purpose for my life. Mary said these very important words. Let it be 
unto me according to your will, O Lord. Let it be unto me according to your will, O Lord. So my challenge for you is this. What is the posture of your heart? How are you living your life? Do you live your life just for Christmas or is Christmas every day? Christmas is meant to be every day. Christmas is meant to be that, how can I please the Lord today? How can I live for Him today? What is the posture of your heart? The posture of your heart must be a posture of obedience. When favor, when the favor of the Lord is upon you, there's nothing you need to do. All you need to do is to show up. When the favor of the Lord is upon you, there's nothing you need to do. All you need to do is to show up. I want to talk a little bit about favor. Because I believe God's favor precedes miracles. God's favor precedes miracles. Please hear me well today. God knew Mary's heart more than Mary knew her heart. God knows your heart more than you know your heart. When the favor of the Lord came upon Mary, it was because Mary had been living with the posture of obedience. All she had to do was to show up and the favor of God was upon her. The favor of God is God's unmerited favor that comes through His grace. Let me share testimonies with you that will help you understand the favor of God. If we want to see miracles, we need to have a posture of obedience. Early this year, we received a prophetic word from Mesher Shanek. And Mesher shared this word that we're going to see the blessings of the Lord this year in doubles. It's going to be my double double. For those who understand that language, it's going to be double. And some people started praying into that word and said, We believe that God is going to favor us. We're going to see the blessings in double. One of the guys that we pray with in the 6 a.m. prayer shared with us that beginning of the year, he had some anxiety around school fees for his children. In particular, he said that her daughter, or their daughter, the school fees were so high that he didn't know how they were going to be able to pay for the school fees. And he took this anxiety before the Lord and he prayed this word that, God, you said you're going to bless us. And guess what happened? The next day... One of his clients paid double the amount of the school fees that he was supposed to pay. Double. More than what he needed. Supernatural provision. Supernatural provision. And it, the story doesn't end there because I believe that God knew that he needed to be a blessing to others Then they were able to be a blessing to others. And I know for some of us now, we may be here enjoying Christmas, but thinking about how are we going to pay school fees in the new year? And I want to pray with you, stand with you, believe with you that God will provide supernaturally. Unlike this guy, maybe his testimony came the day after he prayed. Some, sometimes we wait longer, but God provides supernaturally. God is faithful to provide supernaturally. Let me share a testimony that's close to heart. And close to home. On Thursday, I was at Rosebank, uh, up the road from here at the Rosebank Mall. I had gone to exclusive books to get books for the kids. We had said to them, hey, the economy has been very challenging. 
When the parent says the economy has been challenging, it means there's no money. <laughs> there might not be, but uh, Christmas gifts this year, so we'll see what we can do. Then I went to the shop where I know that my son has been looking for this particular gift, and uh, we've just been trusting with God with him that the Lord will provide. As I was there, uh, me being me, I was going to check the price, but check whether we can afford to pay it. And a guy from church just showed up while I was still asking about the prize. And he said to me, and he said to the guy who was helping me, whatever he's buying, I will pay for it. This was on Thursday. Whatever he's buying, I'll pay for it. He didn't even know how much it was. He said, whatever he's buying, I'll pay for it. At that moment, I thought, angel, is it an angel? Is it true? Is it? And he paid. While he was busy sorting out, I spoke, thankfully he was there with his sister. There was proof that he was not an angel. He was there with his sister. I started having a conversation with his sister. And his sister started telling me how God has blessed them this year. And his sister told me that even her husband, that he was promoted at work. Look at my double. He was here. He was promoted above the people that he's been reporting to, to here. And he said, the people that he was reporting to are now going to report to him. That's a double blessing right there. He jumped here and he went all the way up there. I didn't ask him about the salary. <laughs> because in this church, we don't believe in prosperity gospel. We believe that God will prosper you. I'm sharing all this because in all the celebration of Christmas, we do have needs. We know that things have been challenging. But our God is a God who shows His favor and provides for us supernaturally. I believe strongly that God's favor precedes miracles. When we have a posture of obedience, when we have a posture of obedience, it attracts the miracles of God. It attracts the favor of God. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I have not been with a man? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son and is in the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with our God. I like how Mary is having a conversation with an angel, and Mary has got the audacity, even though she was starstruck, to compose herself and ask the angel a very pertinent question, the very question that the scientists are asking. She's asking, how will this be since I've not known a man? Mary knew her status. She knew that she had kept herself. She knew that her posture has been a posture of obedience to God and the favor of God comes upon her. And she says, how will this be? I want to repeat this again. A lot of us miss out on the miracles God has for us because we are so focused on what people will say versus what God wants to accomplish. The angel of the Lord had three answers for Mary that I believe will speak to us today. The angel of the Lord is trying to help Mary to build Mary's faith. 
How many of us need our faith to be built when you believe in God for something? You believe in God for something, but you need just God, give me a sign. God, show me that you're going to do this thing. And the angel of the Lord starts by saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now that word, upon, come upon, those words, they simply means that there was going to be an intensification of the Holy Spirit over your life. And how does the intensification of the Holy Spirit come? It comes through lingering longer in prayer, in the Word, and in worship. The angel of the Lord says, there's going to be an intensification, like an operation of the Holy Spirit, like a surgery of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things I like about prayer, like especially lingering longer in prayer, there's a surgery that takes place. There's an operation that takes place. There's something that God can do. Even in worship, when we worship God, here on Sunday morning, when we worship God at a a, a, a worship night, there's a surgery that takes place. There's an intensification of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget, Mary's posture of obedience brought the favor of God and it led to miracles. If we are believing God for miracles in 2023, what is the posture of our heart? If we want to see an intensification of the Holy Spirit, please join us for the 21 days of prayer and fasting where we can linger longer. It is when we linger longer in fasting and prayer, there's a surgery that takes place. The posture of our hearts changes. We start the year setting the tone to say, God, we want the intensification of your Holy Spirit. The angel of the Lord is answering Mary and says, Don't worry, the Holy Spirit will take care of it. The Y chromosome, leave it to the Holy Spirit. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. What does the word overshadow mean? If you go and read it and study it, it means to cast shadow upon something. Now for young people out there, I did not say throw shadow. Because some of you say throw shade. No, 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 no. We're not throwing shade in the house of the Lord. Throw shade for young people. For those who may not know, it's when you diss someone. My kids have been explaining these things to me. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, will cast shade over you. When the power of the Most High comes upon you, people will wonder, how did that promotion happen? People will wonder, how did you get that business deal? People will wonder, how did that healing happen? People will wonder, how did that take place? Because the power of the Most High is enveloping you, is shadowing you. That's what we believe in God for. But this is my favorite. It's amazing that God sends an angel to share testimony with Mary. Mary is wrestling with, how is this going to happen? I've not been with a man. And then the angel of the Lord shares a testimony. I'm going to read it for you. It's right there in verse 37 and 36. Behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age. It's as if it was not mentioned before. He's mentioning it again for a reason. She's in her old age. She's old. And yet she's barren. Yet she's conceived a son. And she's in her six months. For nothing will be impossible with God. I feel like some people need to hear that today. Maybe you've been believing God for a very long time. 
and you think this is not going to happen. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. But I want you to hear the words of the Lord for you this morning. Nothing will be impossible with our God. Nothing is impossible with God. How will this be, you ask? The angel of the Lord says, look at Elizabeth, your relative. What the Lord has done for her, God will do for you. So as we wrap up, what is an impossible situation that you're facing? This Christmas, declare and decree that nothing is impossible with our God. Declare and decree that even though doctors have said this and that and that, nothing is impossible with our God. Remember the miraculous virginal birth that scientists could not explain. Nothing is impossible with our God. Remember God's favor precedes miracles because nothing is impossible with our God. Remember the miracles that God has performed in the past. Just like Mary needed to hear Elizabeth's testimony. You also have testimonies where God has come through for you. Pull up those testimonies. Remind yourself that God has done it before. He can do it again. Listen to other people's testimonies that what God has done for them, He will do it for me. And remember this, this is very important. It's very, very important. God will not bless someone else at your expense. God's blessing for you is a blessing for you. When someone else gets blessed, you celebrate with them because you know that your blessing is coming. Revelations 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So let us go and be conjurates of God's miracles. As we stand to pray, we all stand. I want to share one more testimony with you. I'm sharing these testimonies because of the very word in Revelation 12. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. This is not your typical Christmas message Mary's boy child born in a major I want you to understand that there were miracles that took place around Jesus and the same miracles that took place then can happen today one of the guys that we have been trekking with for many years now Mr. Michael started working with us as our gardener when our kids were born we helped him to get a certificate to become an electrician. And uh, he moved from being a gardener to become an electrician and he worked as a subcontractor at City Power. So said that during COVID, he lost his job and he's been out of work for two and a half years and he's just been fending for his family, working peace jobs here and there, working for people. Uh, two weeks ago, he calls me and he says, Pastor, You've been standing with me and I want you to be the first person to know this. I got a full-time job at Nike factory and I'm going to be doing maintenance for them. It's a full-time job and I even have medical aid for the first time in my life. Medical aid for me and my family. 
I'm sharing that testimony because I know that there's a number of people that are believing God for work. I believe with all my heart that God will not hold anything good from His children. I believe it. That is why this morning I've been talking about how all we need to do is to have a posture of obedience. Favor will come. Miracles will follow. As we bow our heads to pray, what is the posture of your heart? What is the posture of your heart before the Father? Is it a posture of obedience? Or is it a posture of I just worship Him once or twice a year? I worship Him when I feel like it. May we realize that the posture of our hearts determines the miracles we experience. May the posture of our hearts be that of obedience on a daily basis. How can we please Him? I want us to take a moment just to reflect. What is the posture of your heart towards God? What is the posture of your heart towards His Son, Jesus? How do you live your life? We have a, an amazing model from Mary. Her life attracted God's favor. Is your life attracting God's favor? The way you conduct yourself, the way you do your business, the way you treat your wife, your children, the way you treat your husband, is it glorifying and honoring to God? What is the posture of your heart? Let's put a mirror on ourselves for a little bit and just reflect on this. Some of you, maybe you are far away from God. Maybe your relationship with God is being tainted by the things of this world and you need to come closer to God. Or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Make today the day where you will follow Him and make Him Savior and Lord of your life. Speak to us after the service at the guest lounge here up front with the leaders so we can pray with you to say I want the posture of my heart to change so I can have a relationship with Jesus Father I pray for each and every person that is here today may this not just be another Christmas may it be a Christmas we can look back and we say the posture of our hearts changed towards obedience towards God. The favor of the Lord came. And now we have testimonies of God's miracles over our lives. Father, I know that a number of people may have been disappointed so many times. I pray that they will believe again, trust again, hope again to see miracles. In Jesus' mighty name, let's give God the praise.